Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock, as always, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. Happy Thursday. It is a Twitter Thursday. We are answering your questions on today's program. We've got a ton of them, probably too many. So maybe some overflow questions that we'll get into tomorrow and maybe even into next week. If we if we see a question we like that pertains to whatever we're talking about, there's no rules here. It's the off season, right, Matt? We can do whatever we want here. And uh, thank you to the folks that are getting involved in the Twitter Thursdays. And those of you that are sending tweets throughout the week, not even just responding to the tweets when we're asking for questions before Thursday, you can always find me at BD Peacock on Twitter. And Matt is at Williamson NFL. As has been the case throughout this screwy offseason, Matt, There's it tends to be a new story just about every day about how things are going to work this season and how the league is going to be able to open up and and run. And it, it kind of starts to look different every single week. This one from Mike Garofalo and Judy Batista saying, NFL practice squads were expanded already from 10 to 12 players in 2020. Now there's internal talk about expanding to as many as 16 practice squad members for greater roster flexibility for positive COVID tests and the NFL PA would have to co-sign, but that's more jobs for players. So I can't imagine the Players Association not liking that. Right. And I'm sure they'll be all over it. A couple things to unpeel there is, first of all, it's a little harder on the coaching staffs, though. You know, like if I'm a linebacker coach and I'm used to having seven guys in my room and now I have 10 well, I I got to coach them all the same. Well, not coach them all the same, but I can spread a little more thin. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden my offensive line room has 18 guys in it, you know, during the season. <laughs> right. And I'm trying to get ready to beat the Ravens, you know? So um, not that that's a big deal and, and nor should it be a speed bump in this whole thing, because I'm on in favor of more practice squad and people that know me, I love the whole minor league idea, but the fact that you can just keep more people on a practice squad Maybe it pays off down the road where two quarterbacks that would have got cut and were coaching high school football stick around a year or two longer and develop into starters over the next five years. Or I mentioned offensive linemen. You should, you know, that's a position that is really short right now. You could keep a couple extra just for developmental reasons. And the other thing I've heard, I've heard Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talk about this a lot the last couple of weeks, is I guess there's more designations this year already. For true veterans, it doesn't matter your age. It's not like you're practice squad eligible anymore for some of those spots. So they talked about keeping the Matt Schaubs of the world on the practice squad. You know, Josh McCown type guys that are glorified coaches. And if, you're, if your starter gets hurt, you can pull them back up off the practice squad. Keep like a, an old grizzled veteran type guy there. And then maybe you do that more and more with different positions if the practice squad was bigger and bigger. Obviously, what I'm you haven't mentioned though is this is all due to what if there's a rash of COVID through your team, right? And I love the idea of a a player coach, like the old Pete Rose thing, right? In, yeah. in baseball, the the player coach. So you're essentially coaching the, the the taxi squad, keeping them away from everybody else as much as possible too, in case there is an infection. You want at least your second team to be somewhat clear. So that'll be interesting to see how they, they do practices. And there's talk of teams not even having the, the first string offensive line hang out with the second string offensive line and them practicing separately. Um, this from Coronavirus Task Force Anthony 
is it Fauci or yeah, I think it's Fauci, right? Is that how you pronounce it? I think it is. Yeah, um, we should both know that. I've know. heard him talk a million times, but I don't know if I've ever heard anyone <laughs> really say his name. I don't name. think I've ever said his name. Yeah. Right. Uh, he said that the NFL will have a difficult time playing in 2020 unless it's conducted in a bubble environment. Players essentially insulated from the community and that are tested nearly every day. And we had talked about that before. It made it would have made more sense for training camp to be in an environment away from their normal lives than than back home at the facility, I think, just because keep everybody away, keep everybody at camp in their own place. And, and the fewer people that are interacting with each other, the better and the more likely that this thing will run smoothly. But and we're also getting to the point where because remember the NBA shut down, like one player got it and it's it was like, oh, we have we can't play. It's we're done. I think we're to the point now where if one player gets it, we saw the Zeke Elliott thing. People aren't as mystified by it. And I think if a player gets it, it's like, okay, quarantine for two weeks. And as long as everyone else isn't testing for it, let's keep going. And so there's going to be, I think, playing through it a little bit has to happen. And there's going to be a couple players on each team. There's probably numerous players we haven't heard about yet that actually have had it positive tests. And maybe that's better for them because they'll get over it not showing symptoms, and they'll have already had it so they can go into the season and feel pretty good about themselves. So there, there's a lot of angles to this and how every team can play it is going to be different. And when it really will come into play is when a high-profile player gets sick and it is game time and you're missing some of the marquee players in the league. Like what if Patrick Mahomes gets it and he's done for a couple of weeks? Um, that, it'll start to scare the league off if that starts to happen early in training camp and in preseason. This might sound ignorant, and I'm sure it is. What's the difference between that and the flu, though? You know, something. I mean, things, other ailments that we've dealt with since the beginning of the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, people get sick. Yeah, people have gotten sick in the past. This isn't the first illness right. and virus to spread. I, I think it's just scarier because there's no cure. There's no vaccine mm-hmm. for it yet, and... You, and it can spread so fast, and so you don't want something to get out of control. And so you're looking out for yeah. people who might be more at risk and, and getting it to the public. Most NFL players probably in pretty good shape, but I, there's been some young, healthy people that have uh, died from it too and, and had some really tough symptoms of coronavirus. So, yeah, a lot still to be determined, and um, there's, a, there's a little bit of doubt creeping in the back of my mind just because every time you think you're in the clear, there's some spikes in certain places, and... We just don't know. We just don't know until we experiment with it. And it looks like the NFL is going to get going in July. We'll see if those other sports get going. And um, and we'll just have to see. It's, I'm interested to see how this works and how far leagues are willing to let some people get sick and, and still try to act like everything's normal and play through it. And as you were saying that, I was sitting here thinking, well, if Ezekiel Elliott got the flu, the Cowboys staff would know what to do. You know, in, right. in this case, they don't really, you yeah, know, they don't. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's very new for everybody. And there's no answers to there's no answers to this. Like there is a lot of other sicknesses that the players could come down with. Right, right. Interesting, though. Yeah. I mean, back to the big practice squads, I'm all in favor. I mean, I think just from a p- football perspective, you might be able to get better practices with more people there, you know, a better scout team environment. And more importantly, I think you have a better chance of long-term developing talent. And if an injury does hit you, you're going to have somebody at every position pretty much that you can at least call up more or less from the minors. 
Here's the other thing, and I think teams will definitely keep more. There a, a fewer and fewer teams are keeping three quarterbacks these days. I think most teams mm-hmm. will try to keep three quarterbacks at least initially to to see how this thing is going to go. But rosters already expanded to fifty five players, so that's an extra sixty four players and and the best sixty four players that aren't going to hit the waiver wire that are not going to end up on practice squads. So practice squads were already going to be watered down because there was two extra spots there and two extra spots on the regular roster. And then you add 16. I mean, that's a ton of extra players that would have had no business sniffing an NFL field this offseason. So I wonder if you'll find some hidden gems that way, or yeah. if there is something that goes through a team, maybe just some really bad football potentially too. <laughs> that you could know? happen too. Maybe both to right. be very honest. But one thing that's bothered me about the league for some time now is Let's say you're not a super high important position. You're an, a linebacker that started games. You're a good special teamer. You're in your eighth year. You're probably worth about a million and a half, two million a year, something like that. But teams just don't want you anymore because they'll draft the guy in the fifth round for cheap to basically do the same job. So if practice squads can keep veterans, well, some of that lower middle class veteran guys who are still good football players and don't embarrass themselves on the field, keep their jobs a couple years longer, which I think they deserve. I think they do. Yeah. And I wonder if teams will keep the players they don't want to lose through waivers, like maybe a seventh round pick, an undrafted free agent that's not ready to play yet, but they don't want to lose him to another team on waivers. Maybe they keep mm-hmm. that guy and they let the veteran go to put that player on the practice squad instead. Right, right. I, I like that. I hope that if they do expand them to 16, that there's quite a few veteran slots too. Let's get to these Twitter questions. We've got a ton of good ones. We'll see how fast. We tend to get long-winded, and uh, hopefully we can hit a bunch of these because there is a lot of good ones coming up on Twitter Thursday. Matt, what was the first car you ever drove? Well, I owned, well, I didn't own, but the the one that was kind of given to me was a, I was born in 73. I'm guessing this thing was like a 79, 80, Chevette. If anyone's familiar with a Chevy yes. Chevette, it's a real <laughs> little thing. Brown interior, brown exterior. We called it the turd. I mean, it looked <laughs> like a round brown turd. But my my dad put a decent tape deck in it, which at the time was banging, and it was a stick. So I taught all my friends to drive on it. You know, we didn't care if we kind of beat it up a little bit and Got me from here to there, and so I can't complain. I mean, it wasn't so bad, but the turd was great. <laughs> the turd, I love that man. <laughs> I love that. My my was, my car was a lot bigger. It was a 1972 Ford Ranchero, so it was mm-hmm. it was half car, half truck, basically. The short hair in the front, like long hair in the back. Like a- yeah, like a like an El Camino. It was uh, the mullet of vehicles. I loved this car though. It was awesome. And uh, just one bench seat, two-door car, but I put an awesome stereo in it. It was way too loud nice. for a tiny little compartment there. My grandfather bought it brand new, 1972, drove it off the lot, and my, then my uncle drove it after him, then my brother, and then got passed down to me. Now it's sitting somewhere in the backyard, but I'm going to go to rockauto.com and try to fix this thing up. Like That's my goal eventually, because it's still in the family. It's still hanging out, wow. but I went to rockauto.com. First of all, their website's super easy to use. I was blown away, a 19... 19- 72 Ford Ranchero. It's not a super popular vehicle. There was a ton of parts at rockauto.com for this car. And uh, I bet that it's the same for your Chevette. So whether you're trying to get motor oil for your new daily driving car or you want to fix up the turd or fix up whatever car <laughs> right, uh, up that turd. has been sitting in your 
backyard forever. You can find those parts at rockauto.com. Let them know we sent you reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. The forgotten man in the NFL, the forgotten of the elite wide receivers, Odell Beckham. It's hard to believe that people don't talk about Odell because of all the headlines he's gotten over the course of his short career so far since being drafted in the first round in 2014. Martin says, am I crazy for still thinking that Odell will get back to being the old, amazing Odell we saw in New York? Are you guys in or out on him? Who I can't quit him. I mean, he is basically the most productive receiver in NFL history, along with Julio and A.B., when on the field, and especially from a touchdown perspective. And I thought he kept Eli above water for a couple more years than he belonged. And this time last year, uh, you know, going into my fantasy drafts, he was my number one wide receiver on the fantasy board. Like I was that high on him just one year ago thinking, boy, getting away from Eli, um, you know, injuries have been an issue with him. And to be honest, I mean, this is kind of assuaging my my bad pick of Odell in the second round, which killed me, is I don't think he was healthy at all last year. But his long, his durability worries me because his he misses a lot of games and has played through a lot of injuries. But I tend to think when right, he's better than Michael Thomas and everybody. You know what I mean? I still think he's special, special player. Right. And even in a down year, he started 15 games. A thousand yard receiver, 74 catches. He didn't have the crazy touchdown numbers he had with Eli in his early New York days, which is one of the things, if you're looking at a fantasy perspective, what's hurt him and, and obviously the injuries because he's missed at least one game in all but one of his NFL seasons so far. So the injury stuff is tough, but I, I agree. When you're when he's on the field, he's there. He's at the top of the league as far as talent, his ability with pure hands to go up and get the football. His feet are as good as feet can be at the NFL level getting open. So he's the complete receiver. He's a monster when he's on the field. The question is, will he stay on the field often enough? And do they have the thing going in the right direction in Cleveland? And they have a lot of other mouths to feed in Cleveland as well. But I tend to think another year with Baker Mayfield, in that offense, uh, I'm definitely buying on Odell Beckham. And because of what he can do, I think people are probably selling him a little bit too short because he should be at the top and he's probably getting treated like a top of second tier wide receiver right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's crazy that by I don't know, next time, this time next year or even like week 12, we might be saying, who's the best receiver league? Oh, it's Odell. You know, like, like Michael Thomas is really good. I'm not saying he isn't. And Devontae Adams is really good but I don't think they're transcendent receivers. You know what I mean? Like on the all time list, they're not special. Or if you go back to 19, whatever, uh, they wouldn't be the best in the league. And I'm not cutting on them. They're great players. They're highly productive. I just don't think they're special athletes and specimens where Odell could be that guy. I mean, Julio has been that guy. I'm looking at just from a fantasy perspective, I like to use fantasy football as sort of a stock up, stock down and see where people think about uh, players. I'm looking for Odell Beckham and he is not going in the first round of drafts right now. And uh, I think that's, I think that's a steal. If you can get a player that talented, someone that could blow up and win you weeks and win you leagues in the second round, third round of drafts is where I'm seeing him go. I mean, yeah, he's definitely underrated at this point. I think so too. I'm buying that offense in general and 
I, 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 I'm worried to fall victim to, boy, the Browns had another great offseason, and then we see the crashes and burns. But I think the way they designed that offense around what Stefanski does, zone running, double tight end set, upgrade both tackles, give Baker a defined plan like he needs, probably wasn't going to be a high-volume passing game, and we're not going to see a lot of three-receiver sets. But I think the offense in general is going to be pretty darn good this year. For example, uh, Odell Beckham is being drafted one spot as far as wide receivers go, looking at fantasy football average draft position right now, one spot after Adam Thielen. And as good as Adam Thielen is, and a lot of targets should be going his way, and I do like Adam Thielen, I mean, I'm taking Odell Beckham. I'm taking the high upside over Adam Thielen, right? Thielen can't win you the league. Right. Odell could win you the league. You know what I mean? Although Thielen's got a, a great opportunity to put up some monster catches, catch numbers this year in a PPR mm -hmm. league. Without Stephon Diggs there now, okay. Uh, actually, let's let's stay on the topic of some fantasy football. And by the way, we're okay. gonna be doing some crossovers with the fantasy football hosts and the the NFL draft hosts coming up in early July. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll have some full episodes with some crossovers, which should be fun here on Locked On NFL. Uh, where was this question I saw about? Uh, here we go. Real quick, while you're looking, I just want to mention that there's been times in locked on locked on NFL history that I have you know pushed back against fantasy questions. And some of you have been pretty slick to word it different ways. I really don't <laughs> care, especially this time of year. If you guys have fantasy questions, throw them in. We know everybody plays fantasy. I mean, just yeah. uh, don't hesitate. Oh, I mean, uh, fantasy football is so intertwined with football, and it's a fun way to talk about players and, and get different topics through. This one from Justin says, fantasy question. He didn't even try to hide it. I think the last Odell question was a hidden fantasy question by Martin. <laughs> right, so good job. right. Uh, he says, would you rather keep Miles Sanders in the fifth round or DK Metcalf in the 15th round. So he's talking about uh, a dynasty league here or a keeper league where you keep a guy at the point where he was drafted or, you know, in some way what versus what he was drafted last year, you can keep that player this year. DK Metcalf, a late round pick for him, 15th round or Miles Sanders in the fifth. Which do you take? Well, obviously trading a 15th round pick, which probably isn't going to help your team for an every week starting receiver is gold. And that would be really hard to, Turn your nose at. But, I mean, my hunch is DK is now like a fourth-round player. I mean, if we have a startup draft right now, I'm guessing he goes somewhere from third, fourth, fifth round, something in that neighborhood. So that's great value. But it's not enough for me. Uh, to me, I would clearly take Sanders because there's only 15 to 20 every week starting running backs and he happens to be my favorite at what value he's going at. Like, I think he's going in the like 16, 17, 18 neighborhood, if I'm not mistaken, overall. I'd be taking him around 10th. I mean, if I'm near the end of the first, he's a target player for me. Um, I'm a big fan. So if you can get an every week starting running back with a fifth round pick and then use your first round pick on another, your foundation is just so strong, and I'm a big Miles Sanders fan. I'm taking DK all day oh, yeah. at, that, at that 15th round area because I'm, I'm sort of a zero running back guy anyway, and I would try to go into it with, you know, and see who's there in the fifth round with that extra fifth round pick because whoever you pick it in the fifth round plus DK in round 15 is going to be better than Miles Sanders in round five and whoever you were going to get in the 15th round, most likely. Uh, I and, see what you're saying. And I'd be targeting players like Kareem Hunt, who could be a league-winning type of player if – Nick Chubb was to get hurt. And Kareem Hunt might be pretty involved in the passing game, too. And I, I saw an article recently. Let's see if I can find it. Here it is. Uh, Browns offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea said that Kareem Hunt 
has been heavily involved in the the passing offseason, and they're impressed with his receiving skills. And that's not necessarily Nick Chubb's strength. So if you're going to pound the mm-hmm. ball with Nick Chubb, you might want to keep him fresh, use Kareem Hunt a lot, and if Chubb does get hurt and he's had an injury history, Kareem Hunt could be that guy that could completely go off. So those would be the types of players I'm targeting in the draft, maybe fifth round or later you could get a steal of a running back that could potentially win you the league at the end of the year and get that stud wide receiver in round 15. I hear what you're saying. I'd just rather take the biggest asset of all things involved. But your your math equation of a fifth-round pick plus DK being greater than, obviously, a 15th-round pick and Sanders uh, might shoot me down a little bit. I mean, that's a pretty good mm-hmm. math equation to win, to win that argument. I'm just a big Miles Sanders fan and just have great value in true starting running backs. And if I can start with one before the draft even starts, I like that a lot. Last little note, you mentioned Hunt, which ties back to our Browns conversation. He probably starts for 20 teams in the league. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, talent-wise, yeah. that's another thing. Is And if this is a dynasty league and you can find your way to trade for Kareem Hunt right now before he ends up on another roster or even in Cleveland, like I said, if there's a Chubb injury or next year ends up on another roster where he's the guy because he has the talent to be the guy. In a, I mean, it was him and Alvin Kamara that blew up a couple years ago. Obviously, Hunt's career skewed in a, in a much different direction for multiple reasons that's a guy i'd be buying in dynasty leagues for sure mm-hmm. no you're right I mean, one injury away you can maybe lead the you know win the league with a fifth six round pick type guy absolutely or or one trade away from him being the guy on another roster because mm-hmm. you know they have an embarrassment of riches on that offense with skill position guys in cleveland right now they could utilize that and uh, help help their team out somewhere else maybe draft picks or something if another team needs a running back that gets ill with coronavirus who knows Let's get this thing going. I've got a good question about rookie quarterbacks and one veteran quarterback coming up. There's been a ton of questions about Colin Kaepernick and whether or not he should be in the league and numerous stories recently. If you would ask me six months ago, I would have said there's no chance that Colin Kaepernick's ever played in the NFL again. That has changed massively. And Roger Goodell even saying Monday that he would welcome a Colin Kaepernick return to the league. His statement, he didn't name Kaepernick last week, but his statement was basically, we screwed up in 2016, which is basically him saying, yeah, the Kaepernick thing we got wrong. And Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll saying this week that he regrets not signing Kaepernick in 2017. And then Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn saying that he's on their workout list. So now we're getting closer and closer to not only people saying, oh man, he should have had a job already, which is a lot of people were saying that anyway, but nobody would sign him. We're talking about workouts now. And as soon as Colin Kaepernick starts getting workouts with teams, depending on how those workouts go, I think a lot of teams are going to say, well, we don't have two quarterbacks more talented than what we just saw in that workout. So let's sign him. And Anthony Lynn is the first one to say, yeah, he's on our list. We haven't t- talked to him yet. He's on our list. We're going to bring him in maybe. And uh, he fits what we're doing on offense. So, I mean, they have a veteran in Tyrod Taylor. They have a high first-round pick in Justin Herbert there. There's probably some other teams that Colin Kaepernick would rather sign with that give him a better opportunity to play. But it starts with workouts, and he's going to have workouts. And now I'm thinking there's a better than 50% chance that Colin Kaepernick signs when I thought there was zero shot in February. I tend to agree. Like, if you've gone to your head, do you think he's an NFL player this year? I think I'd say yes, where I wouldn't mm-hmm. have probably a month ago, let alone a couple months ago, like you said. And this is going to sound like I'm anti-Kaepernick because I'm not. And I've written many articles after he'd been out of the league a year or less saying this is a crime. He should be he's a top 25 type quarterback. 
he's got work to do. He's not perfect, but he could help a lot of teams. It's insane. He's not hired, you know, that he's not part of a team, but a couple things that do concern me. And there's nothing to do if he kneels or what his beliefs are. I, I really, that, that's not what I'm talking about at this point is right now. Teams have less time than ever to spend getting better and working on the people in the building and adding another distraction, another time consuming situation where you have to deal with the media that much longer or whatever is not good timing for considering the lack of practice time the teams have now. And here's the other issue is, okay, Colin Kaepernick wants to be in the NFL. I'm interested in bringing him to my football team. Great. I call him up. I call up his agent. Well, what kind of contract are you going to sign? Like, I haven't seen you play football in a very long time. I can't promise you that you're going to compete for my starting job. I can't promise you you're going to be my number two. I mean, I already got a guy in my building I like. I can't even promise you you're going to make the team. You know, I mean, the practice squad conversation is useful because he can spend a month getting used to playing the game again. But are you going to sign for league minimum? Uh, I mean, I bet he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Right. No, there's a lot of questions like that, that 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 it's hard to have the answer to. And I think the number one thing, you nailed it, and it was the problem in 2017. And some teams are going to want to shy away from Kaepernick just because they don't want to talk more about it. They don't want to answer questions. But I think on the flip side of that, there's some teams right now that are like, let's blow through the door on this and bring it on, bring on the questions. We want to sign him. Let's take this on. We're okay with it. And we missed this opportunity to sign him before. So let's make a statement. Let's sign Kaepernick. So I think that all works in his favor. And you're right. He's a 32 year old quarterback that hasn't played in a few years. So there could be some rust there, but I saw a counterpoint to that. And it's something that blew me away. And I did not realize Chad Henney, who is currently the backup quarterback, the number two guy for the Super Bowl champion, Kansas city chiefs, Chad Henney's thrown five NFL passes since the end (laughs) of the 2014 season. So this is going back to 2015. He's thrown five passes. Colin Kaepernick has played more quarterback on Sundays than Chad Henney has, who currently has a job and is currently older than Colin Kaepernick. So, I mean, how long will it take for Kaepernick to get into an offense? I don't know, but he's more talented than Chad Henney. So there's not that many arguments for keeping him off the field at this point. There's zero arguments, really, for keeping him off the field. Some teams have better quarterback situations than others. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm sure there's a lot of similar to Henny examples. You know, um, Chase Daniel, how many yeah. passes has he thrown? And people keep giving him millions, and you know, all, a lot of those type of guys. But they have been in NFL facilities and put on pads every day and play and they practice. Yeah. And they're NFL football players, nonetheless, whether they see the field or not. And you know, one thing we didn't mention it would be a positive. I think is I bet most locker rooms would love to, it would be a boost for them. It would, it would aid the locker room dramatically, you know, to add him to the equation, make him a teammate. I'm sure it would have a major positive effect on the room. There's a lot of good questions here that will take too long for us to answer to finish up this show. Uh, I think there's some quick ones we can hit really quick. Here's a, here's a yes or no. I think we can keep this one short. This from JDS, who's a frequent tweeter into Locked On NFL. He says, in three years, will Dak be considered a better all-time Cowboys quarterback than Romo? No, I'm a big Dak fan. Uh, this is not going to be a yes, no question, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Dak fan. I would give him you know, what he's asking for. I think he's an underrated and exceptional player. I just think Romo is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in history. You know, like yep. he didn't quite win one, 
but he was awfully good. I mean, that's a high bar is all I'm saying. It's a high bar. So it depends what those three years are with Dak. Mm -hmm. And as far as just how good he is, I think it could be close. If he goes and wins a Super Bowl, then I think you do have to give it to Dak. But we'll see. There's a lot of wins have to pile up uh, between now and then. He's got a lot of talent, though, on offense to do it. So I'm not going to say no on that. But Mm -hmm. right now, it's you have to squint a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just Romo's really, really good. I mean, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he's dramatically worse than Ben Rivers, Ryan, you know, those type of guys. I mean, he's a really, really good player. Okay, pick one here. This is from Joshua. If I set the following lines for the number of games before rookie quarterbacks start, who are you taking? Tua at 3.5, Herbert at 6.5, Love at 15.5. I can't take Love. Right. I mean, the only way that happens is the Mahomes situation where Week 17 doesn't matter or Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And I'm not even sure Love would be the number two this year. I mean, so... I can't take that one. I think there's a realistic chance that Herbert doesn't play until the Chargers are eliminated, and I might pick the Chargers to go to the playoffs. So he may be a Week 17-only type of guy this year. I think Tyrod will keep that ship floating and sailing in the right direction with all the talent they have around him. So kind of by default, I'm going to say Tua, and part of it's because I don't believe Ryan Fitzpatrick's as good as he looked last year either. Yeah, I wouldn't put money on any of these if I was forced to pick one, though. I think I would take Tua at three and a half just because I think he's more ready to play than Herbert or Love. And I think that it's a team that, you know, if he's ready and if he's healthy, then there's no reason not to put him on the field if he's ready to go for Fitzpatrick. But with the Chargers, they might be trying to win some games. And six and, you know, halfway through week six or seven, that's not. Yeah, so basically halftime of week seven, I don't think they'll be far enough out to go to Herbert yet. Right, I, I agree. I also think Tua is a tremendous prospect that a lot of years would have gone first overall, or if he was clean, would have been first overall a lot of years. Get him on the field. So we're out of time here. I'm seeing a ton of questions I want to talk about tomorrow. How about this? Okay. Rum, ruminate on this one, Matt. What NFL job would Matt Williamson NFL leave the media to take? Top five teams he'd love to run. That's going to be a good one. Let's let's do a segment on that because I think that would be a lot of fun. A lot of other good questions here that we should start to get to tomorrow. Whatever the latest news is, we will continue all offseason long. We'll have tons of guests inside the network and outside the network. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.